Hi, my name is Gareth Howells, Executive Director of the MBA MIF and Early Career Programs at London Business School. And when I'm not trying to admit the very best students, I'm listening to the business school question. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Business School Question. I'm your host, Marco Dinovellis, and this is a podcast for anyone considering applying to business school. Every episode, we interview a leading expert from the business school world and ask them one key admissions question to help you on your journey to business school. On today's episode, we're asking the question, how is business school changing? To answer it, we're joined by Tim Mesker, Tim is Vice President of the Association to Advance Collegiate Schools of Business, or AACSB, an accreditation body boasting more than 1,600 members and 800 accredited business schools worldwide. Tim's worked in the business school sector for close to 40 years. He's served as a business school dean twice, including 18 years at Kennesaw State University's Michael J. Coles College of Business, and is President Emeritus of Columbia State University, where he served for six years. He's a BA, MBA, PhD, a published author, and a thoroughly nice guy too. Tim, (laughs) thank you for joining us. Thanks, Marco. It's a pleasure to be with you today. So, Tim, historically, business schools have had a bit of a bad rep after the financial crisis. Business schools were blamed. It was business schools, some people said, that had trained the leaders whose irresponsible behaviour caused the collapse. Past critics have condemned business schools and MBA programmes in particular as elitist, male-dominated, breeding grounds for highly paid bankers and consultants who are taught only that greed is good. But today, much of the conversation is around ethics, social responsibility, sustainability, and also accessibility, widening the reach of business education to a more diverse audience. Tim, let's get started by looking at the past. Um, Firstly, are and how are business schools any different today to what they were like 20, 30, 40 years ago? Well, great question. And um, it's important for me to indicate that AACSB, has been uh, committed to quality assurance and accreditation in the business school market since 1916, uh, when we were founded uh, as a nonprofit membership organization and remain that way to this day. So we've we've seen, obviously, over more than a century, uh, dramatic evolution and continuing change in the business school market. And to address your question specifically, there are some major drivers that are morphing the the world of business schools today. First, Marco, I would say that technology plays such a greater role today in the delivery of programs and content and information, and is clearly altering, uh, modifying the way students learn. Tremendous changes as a result of online and blended course delivery Obviously, it's, uh, it's keener at some institutions than others, but this is becoming a, dr- a very significant global phenomenon. On the other hand, many schools still value face-to-face, but see a tremendous value add in embedding a digital delivery as part of their uh, comprehensive uh, program development. And even today, Marco, that's changing uh, from the desktop 
to the arena of what we call micro learning, which is smartphone based and nuggets of information that students will engage in five to 10 minute blocks. So this world continues to change. And and I think our global membership now in more than 100 countries is acknowledging this and embracing uh, the various opportunities this represents. Okay, so student experience now, the very essence of learning has, has changed than what it may have been in a more perhaps lecture style format that has been broken up by digital innovations. No question. And it's impacting schools in a dramatically different way. I was just in Cyprus, Marco, at the uh, University of Nicosia, and they've developed over the last few years, it began with a MOOC on cryptocurrency. They now have an enormous reach with a digitally delivered master's program in uh, in cryptocurrency uh, with a global marketplace, not only of students, but supported uh, by by professors situated all over the world as well, and so again, it's the it's the power of technology, it's leveraging it around the unique mission of a particular school, and creating very interesting arena for global business education. And what do you think has driven that change? Is it is it the innovation for sake of innovation, or is this what employers are, are demanding from schools that they are up to date? I think um, there's still a segment of the student population that demands, expects, uh, wants this this face to face dynamic. On the other hand, uh, there's a growing population that wants customized delivery of educational modules in real time a market market, if you will, that wants it when they want it, where they want it, and how they want it. And I think business schools are leveraging uh, this technology around customizable delivery that's that's really changing the world of higher education as we know it. And in my introduction, I spoke a little bit, I suppose, about the business school culture and what some critics have have said in the past. Um, Is there any truth in in what critics may have uh, said about business schools, perhaps pre-financial crisis? Um, What's the culture? What was it like uh, back when you were a business school dean? And and what's it like now? Certainly classes are much more diverse. Well, you know, it's a funny thing, Marco, because we have uh, we suffer, if you will, from very short memory. I remember my very first term as a much younger assistant professor at Arizona State University's College of Business in Tempe, Arizona, which has six, currently today has sixteen thousand students. And one of the courses that I taught forty years ago was on business and society, corporate social responsibility, and ethics. That's four decades ago. Somehow we forgot this, that business schools, in fact, um, have always embraced new topics, evolving topics. Uh, But I think, to your point, issues around ethics, CSR, sustainability, uh, green, uh, have become much, much more prominent in business schools, certainly over the last decade, 
and even more pronounced over the last five years. Many of our members are, are embracing the United Nations principles for responsible management education. And you're seeing this type of content and curricula embedded across programs worldwide. Uh, schools want to deliver it, but as importantly, Marco, students want it and are excited by it. And, and this is just part of all of the changing culture. So is there a, you know, a, a, a single source to blame for the ethics challenges over the decades? I don't think so. And I think schools uh, recognize, business schools recognize their role in supporting ethical education, education committed to sustainability, uh, to social responsibility. And there's much, much more aggressive activity in that arena today uh, than ever before in the past. Yes, and my understanding now is that rather than having ethics as its own contained course, it's, it's sort of ingrained throughout so the curriculum. Exactly, Marco, and that's how curriculum has changed. You know, I still remember decades ago when international business was injected as a standalone course, the same as you just mentioned as, as ethics and at one time operations. And now much of this content is embedded in, in more interdisciplinary experiences across the business curriculum. And, and I think we're seeing that evolution very dramatically today. Do you think the students themselves have changed? Um, if, if I'm from perhaps a, not from a banking or consulting background and I'm considering going to business school, you know, you know will, will I be with others similar to myself? Have students changed in terms of who they are, but also their ambitions and goals in the past few years? We see today, you know, continuous changes in the student market. Students today generally have a much more global orientation. They travel much more easily than they have historically. Uh, students, as you know, have a keener interest, as we just mentioned, in issues related to sustainability and social responsibility, and I think that's all very positive. Students today, Marco, also have a much more uh, genuine interest in entrepreneurship and in the possibility of uh, uh, developing uh, their own ventures. And to a great extent, uh, the digital arena has created global opportunities for students in, in developed and developing nations who can leverage technology in their entrepreneurial efforts. So, you know, this is, as you know, this is where I spent most of my research focus for the past 40 plus years in the entrepreneurship arena. So I'm very excited to see this explosion of interest in entrepreneurship and, uh, uh, many, many programs have embedded this uh, in their curriculum as well and offer specialized opportunities for students, competitions for students. So to me, that's 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 a very exciting part of sort of the the changing educational landscape today. OK, and I, I just want to be clear on, you know, how, how it was in the past and how yeah. perception is, is influenced like that compared to today. So, I mean, is it fair to say that in the past classes were 
uh, perhaps more exclusive to certain kinds of backgrounds, and, and that's something that's changed, or is is that a is that a business school myth? How, when you look at a class in business school today, would it be different to the people you look at maybe forty years ago? Well, it's a it's a it's a very important question, and and I think we have to remember, and and your listeners who are knowledgeable, you know, will 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 recognize it's it's almost staggering to believe there are 16,000 plus providers of business education worldwide today. 16,000. Now, it's a big world, but that's a big number. We have members now in 101 countries or territories worldwide. And so you look at the reach today and the accessibility today that young people have worldwide in, it is both in developed and in developing parts of the world. And I think this is very, very important. And that's why um, I, I, I do believe that historically there was a, um, a prototypical perspective that business schools were directed uh, to the banking and investment arena and and certainly for high profile historical uh, well established business schools many many of their uh, graduates went into that arena along with consulting but clearly over the years the market has broadened dramatically and we at AECSB support the notion that business schools should focus on developing distinctive missions consistent with their market their students and their stakeholders, and it gives an opportunity to create different uh, different pathways, um, different programs, uh, different platforms for students around the world. And finally, digital delivery has made access to programs far more available, and in many cases, dramatically reduced uh, fees. And and I think that's. That's very important, and I think we will continue to see an evolution of this over time. So the accessibility factor is huge, and, and we know that, that business school now is, is not just the U.S. Uh, Harvard-Wharton phenomenon. It's uh, all over the world, and, and Europe and Asia are huge markets. If we talk about the markets in general and, and the online space as well, you know, at, at first there may have been some fears that MOOC providers, uh, massive open online courses, may provide a, a threat to business schools, these free, uh, ostensibly free courses that you can complete online while you work. Uh, why would you pay $100,000 to do an MBA when you can do that? But in reality, business schools are, are using these platforms to their own advantage, and that widens the market as well. Have you seen a lot of innovation in, in that area, that the business schools are sort of jumping on the MOOC platforms and, and selling their courses there? We have, and, and as you know, that continues to change. I think the perception of MOOCs when they were launched is they were going to be uh, dramatically disruptive and, and change the landscape. I'm not sure we've seen that in that way, but they have now become part of a continuum of delivery options that really give students worldwide access to amazingly rich content. Now, when you layer onto that, Marco, if you look at technology, what's happening with artificial intelligence, 
uh, with augmented and virtual reality. I mean, it's it, it is it's changing uh, the potential landscape as we speak, and I think technology will continue to drive it. Listen, uh, a, a recent McKinsey Global study said that maybe as many of a third of workers may have to change jobs by 2030 simply because of AI, artificial intelligence. So that ties in, Marco, again, not just to the impact of technology, but to the incredible importance of lifelong learning and what is going to be the role of business schools in that arena. That's it, isn't it? Business schools are, are teaching students, are preparing students for jobs that, that don't exist yet. So, um, That's so exactly. that as well means more of a focus on maybe the softer side of business, being flexible, being able to handle those changes. And before we get on to, to the future, um, from your own experiences, what, what's the most surprising change that you've seen in your career so far? Well, a couple of things. One, technology, and I love the, the Nicosia example, has allowed schools all over the world uh, to develop uh, niche programs that can be incredibly appealing uh, to global markets and to network uh, professors in a way to enhance uh, their own curriculum development. So that's, I think that's one area. Two, um, we see uh, continuously forming uh, and morphing networks of business schools, uh, providing students with incredibly unique opportunities to connect. I've blogged about some of these networks, and I, I love the example at Solvay Brussels Business School that was interested in joining uh, some particular global networks, and they just couldn't join the, the networks they wanted, and so they said, eh, we'll start our own. And they started a, a fantastic a network that now includes 30 business schools worldwide across all continents of the world called the QTEM network, the Quantitative Techniques in Economics and Management. And it connects students deeply interested in highly quantitative programs and requires them for this QTEM certificate to study in their master's program in at least three different schools across this network. And so you see all kinds of networks, all kinds of specializations. And I think it's creating global platforms for students and allowing them to migrate across countries and continents in a, in a simple way. As well as uh, executive VP of AACSB, or also chief officer for Europe, the Middle East and Africa. So you're seeing those um, perhaps emerging business education markets in Middle East and Africa really blossoming. What's what's your predictions for the future? Based on our conversation, I can guess sure. technology is a huge part of it, but but what about the impact of, of that technology? Well, I think it's part of it, but but I will tell you, Marco, I and it's interesting. On the other hand, I still visit countries and campuses uh, where even something that we've taken for granted like Wi-Fi access on campus is limited daily because of technology, uh, because of fiber, because of access. But I'm incredibly heartened. We now, just in EMEA, Europe, Middle East, Africa, at AACSB, we have members in 64 countries or territories across EMEA. And it's been my great pleasure 
to have worked with one of our special initiatives over the last two years called a Global Improvement Network Project on the continent of Africa, where we paired schools in emerging economies with coaches working on specific quality improvement projects. Uh, that finished after a two-year engagement process and the the evolution of the schools that participated in it was fantastic. And what we're looking for is how to continue initiatives like this by partnering with other organizations like the African Association of Business Schools, like the Global Business School Network, and others uh, to, to really focus on quality improvement, quality delivery in developing regions uh, worldwide. So we're looking at globalization, we're looking at more learning delivered online, more use of technology as well. Let's take a step back and think about the business school applicants. Now, um, the business school market is, is thriving, but for an applicant, this is a bit of a minefield. How on earth do you choose which of these business schools to, to study at? You have, you know, China as well, massively on the rise, if you, you know, economically, is that somewhere where you want to be as well? What do all these changes and, and the changes that you've seen in the potential changes in the future. What does that mean for an applicant? How should they think about going about choosing a school? And, and how does that change what business schools might expect from you as a, as a business school applicant and potential student? What wonderful question. And this has been a keen topic for us uh, since the arrival of our new CEO a few years ago, Tom Robinson, as we've looked at, Marco, at AECSB, both the market value of accreditation as well as the market value of uh, membership in our global business education alliance. And so we are beating that drum actively uh, to prospective students worldwide to look for that imprimatur, if you will, that symbol of membership in AECSB's business education alliance, uh, and then to look for that accreditation uh, notation as well. We think it signifies a deep investment in and commitment to the highest quality of business education that we can assure our, uh, our prospective students. We, we, uh, we continuously review with schools and on a regular cycle, and that that should be a very important filter for them as they're looking at business school alternatives, either in their country or regionally or across the world. Uh, and would you say that's the same for the, the other accreditation bodies? You know, if a school's accredited by, by sure. AMBER or, or a program or, or equis? Good or point. Like I think, yes, I think that's certainly the key. And, and, and one of the values we think that we offer to prospective students is the vastness of this global uh, business Education Alliance now, which is over, as you mentioned, over 1,600 schools and companies in over 101 countries or territories. So find uh, uh, a program or a, a content or professors that fit with your interests. There's a lot of variability out there and, uh, uh, and, and there's a lot of choices. And we think that's a good thing. We believe in competition and think that's very healthy as well. 
One final uh, question I wanted to ask you is around the theme of change. So applicants, students at business schools and professionals need to be cre uh, prepared for a changing business environment. You've been in the business school sector and seen tons of change and change still happening today. How, how do you personally and professionally, how do you deal with change and what sort of advice do you have for anyone dealing with a, a changing business school sector? Yeah, I, I love that question. And I tell, I tell young people today, keep reading, you know, and whether it's online or whether it's old fashioned, uh, our articles, uh, books, newspapers, you know, be current with what they do. Um, I love what's happened, frankly, Marco, in the UK in the last couple of years uh, with the apprenticeship levy, which creates a national pool of funding for lifelong education. I think uh, for young people today, I say continue to pursue credentials, whether they're digital badges or other kinds of acknowledgement of uh, skill uh, development, because that's the world that we're, we're living and working in today. You know, just when you've completed a most rigorous, uh, exhausting program, you get to take a deep breath and get at the end of the line and start that process all over again, because that's what's happening in the world of work today. And, and, and so it's about continuing to be agile, uh, prepared, uh, and, and current, because we don't know what's next. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Tim, for your time today. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Business School Question. Do look out for our next episode. We will be asking Keith Bevans, a partner and global head of consultant recruiting at Bain & Company, why do consulting firms love MBAs? You can download our podcast on iTunes on your iOS device, open the podcasts app, then tap browse at the bottom of the screen and type in the Business School Question. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate and review it on iTunes. Share it on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Tell your colleagues and friends. The Business School Question is brought to you by the team at Business Because. Without a doubt, my favourite online publisher dedicated to graduate management education. Whether you're considering an MBA, EMBA or Business Masters programme, read more Business School news and get practical resources to help your Business School application on businessbecause.com.